I don't really know what the force is. And I feel like after seeing the prequels, which would seem to be trying to shed some light on it, I actually feel like I know less about what the force is. Hello, fellow geeks. Welcome to the Story Geeks podcast, and thank you for joining us. You are part of a small but influential group of people we call Story Geeks. Fans of science fiction, fantasy, and comic books who love to dig deeper into geek stories to see how they impact us and the culture around us. These aren't just stories that help us escape. These stories shape our world. How? That's what we're discussing today. Don't forget to click the subscribe button so you don't miss out on any future Story Geeks content. And as always, we want to hear from you. So follow us on Facebook or Twitter and send us your thoughts and opinions by commenting or emailing. If you like this podcast, be sure to share it with a geek friend. I'm one of your hosts, Jay Shear, and this podcast is produced by the Reclamation Society. For more information about the Story Geeks podcast and other Reclamation Society projects, visit www.reclamationsociety.org. Now, let's dive into this week's episode. Welcome to the show, Daryl and Nathan. Thanks. How are you, how are you guys doing? Good. <laughs> you guys are doing really great what a, what a, this, is, yeah. this is what you get with remote podcasting yeah exactly the, i'm also the, the, doing good <laughs> the um the best kind of audio is silence yeah <laughs> it was your, your moment of zen right there yeah uh it's good to have you guys this is the core this is the core group of podcasters the reclamation society podcasters so um, it's fun to do this this sort of recap. This is going to be a slightly different episode because um, this is kind of our wrap-up of the prequel trilogy. So we're going to dive into that. But before I do that, we actually had an email. So the email came to us from A.G. Holdier. Uh, I'm probably pronouncing that totally wrong. Um, but A.G., I wanted to read that email from A.G. Hello, I stumbled across your podcast a few weeks back. Thank Sam Wellbaum for that. So thank you, Sam. That's excellent that you referred AG to us. And I am loving it as I burn through the backlog. As a fellow Christian in love with both philosophy and nerd culture, the Reclamation Society is exactly the sort of thing I love to hear. I'm curious about the logo. Has that ever been explained? So first of all, thank you, AG for the email. We always appreciate emails from fans, so please email us if you are out there and you have a question for us. Um, the uh, Reclamation Society logo, which I actually have a tattoo of, which is insane because I said I would never get a logo tattoo. Um, it does mean it's very meaningful to me, um, which is why the symbol is really important to us. The symbol actually comes from an upcoming story a book that we'll be releasing probably in the latter half of the year. We were going to release it in the summer, but we're actually making some enhancements to it. So probably come out later in the year. And I really don't want to say too much more about it because I want you guys to see what it means in the context of that story because that's what that's where it comes from. It comes from that story. So the story is called Death of a Bounty Hunter. And like I said, it'll be released later this year. And it is a science fiction Western steampunk. Uh, what else, Nathan? What else is what else Fantasy. is it? Fantasy. Yeah. So it is a kind of a mashup of every genre you can possibly think of. Um, so definitely want to check that out when we get it because that's where the logo comes from, and the logo extends beyond that story for us. But that's where the logo originated from. 
Nathan designed the logo, so it's amazing. Um, and I'm really stoked about it. Um, so thank you for the email. Please email us. Always email us at hi at reclamationsociety.org. Uh, and we'll, Nathan and I both see that, so we'll get a chance to read it. Um, before we move on to the podcast, I do want to, you know, we get iTunes reviews and a lot of other podcasts read their iTunes reviews. And I thought that's cool. That's, I like to read the iTunes reviews as well. So I'm going to read an iTunes review is actually our very first iTunes review. It is from Seth 00000001. I think I got all the zeros in there. I'm not, I'm not positive. And the very his, first Seth. Yeah, exactly. Um, the title of the uh, review, the iTunes review, is This is Rad! Exclamation point, and then Emoji Sunglasses. It is a five-star review. This podcast satisfies all my nerd, comic, and Star Wars cravings. Jay has a great way of pulling out deeper themes that I never would have thought of on my own. There's plenty of different topics they cover, from Stranger Things to Star Wars to superhero movies. It's one of the few podcasts I actually recommend to my friends. So thank you, Seth. For the review, we really appreciate it. You guys can all review us on iTunes, or even you can review us on Stitcher, or you can go leave us a comment, or you can put hit the like button out on Podbean. So we really appreciate that. And that really brings us to the discussion, which is a prequel trilogy wrap-up. Hopefully you guys have been listening to the prequel trilogy um, series of podcasts. We're going to continue through. So the next one we're actually going to do is Rogue One. Um but any any thoughts, any quick thoughts from you guys before we dive into some of like the bigger prequel trilogy questions? Quick thoughts. Yeah, any quick thoughts. I mean, I know like for example, like Nathan and I have been on every single Star Wars podcast thus far. And Daryl, I know you were on our Attack of the Clones podcast. And yeah. for example, um, you know, I said uh Phantom Menace was a four out of ten, and I said Attack of the Clones was a four point seven five, and I think I said that Revenge <laughs> of the Sith was like an eight and a half nine. So it's pretty varied. Um, but I'm just wondering if you have any thoughts like that that you would get out on the table. I know Daryl on the Attack of the Clones podcast, you said you weren't really a huge prequel trilogy fan. No, and that's still true. I actually I watched Revenge of the Sith today, so now I feel like I'm all caught up. But um that's still true. I'm still not a big fan of those movies, but as I've been listening to the podcasts, you know, like the Phantom Menace podcast and the Revenge of the Sith podcast, it's it's been really fun because it reminds me how big Star Wars is and how many different types of Star Wars fans there are out there, you know? Yeah. And like listening to the Revenge of the Sith podcast, listening to um, Seth and is it Michael? Mark, Mark, Mark. Yeah, yeah, listening to them talk about legends and stuff like that. I don't even know what that is, but it sounds cool. <laughs> and <laughs> so there's just, it's been fun to see how big it really is and kind of be reminded of that. And that helps me appreciate the prequels more. Even if I don't love them as movies, I love that they, they help f- further Star Wars and help more people see it and more people experience it and keep it alive, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And Nathan, I know you're kind of in the middle ground to more of a, you sort of more like the prequels, even though there's some quality issues with them. Have you thought about, like, has this series changed your mind at all about the prequels? Uh, I don't think it's changed it a whole lot. Um, in general, yeah, it's it's not like I, I don't not like them. And... It's also not like I'm, you know, a huge fan of 
everything about them. But yeah, it kind of helped going through it again and rewatching them and kind of reiterating what I liked and didn't like. Um, but I think it's interesting how a lot of fans basically, it's like we've got, they've, they've been out for long enough and we've gotten to the point where they've essentially been reduced to essentially, if anyone mentions the prequels, it's like, oh yeah, but those don't matter, whatever, they're bad just because that's all anyone remembers, just because there were certain things that were bad about them or because they were disappointed in them. And so it's it's almost like they've kind of been relegated to, oh yeah, they don't count. And that's that's <laughs> all anyone ever says about them, right? And <laughs> right, so, but yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff in there that's that's useful, even if, you know, the execution on, on some of it wasn't the best. Sure. I, do, I will throw a quick shout out to the Blast Points podcast because those guys consistently say, that like Return of the Jedi and The Phantom Menace are like their favorites. And I will say that that's like my favorite Star Wars podcast because I think those guys are really, really funny. Um, so there are, and, there, and I've seen a lot recently, especially on Instagram, the younger generation really likes the prequels. Like they are fed up with prequel haters, um, which is really fascinating to me. Um, but yeah, it, it is kind of interesting to explore them from a different perspective and then dive into them a little deeper. Um, in fact, I'll find oftentimes on this podcast, and hopefully the listeners do too, that even in a movie that I don't like, after I've done the done the due diligence of like analyzing it and seeing what it really tells me is is going on about the world and how it like interacts with the world, um, yeah, I really do have a deeper appreciation, even for movies I still don't like. Um, let's jump into question number one, uh, and this question is like kind of an intense question. I'll start with you first, Daryl. What kind of impact or effect has the prequel trilogy had on you personally, good or bad? Uh, you know, it's good and bad, I can say. Um, I guess I'll start with the bad. I think had an effect it's had on me personally. I guess I think of it in terms of my experiences as a moviegoer and what I value in movies and storytelling and stuff. And um, I think the bad for me is it it took a lot of mystery away from the original trilogy. Mm. Um, you know, I look at characters like like even Vader and Obi Wan, and for me, I was good with the original trilogy. I'm like, I don't. I think I I I would have rather not known all of this other stuff, <laughs> but. Um, and then the other, the other, one of the other big bads for me was, I think when you compare it to the original trilogy, um, there's just a lot of stuff for me that kind of doesn't measure up. So in a way it was, you know, I think I saw the first one when I was in college, which is when I was kind of getting really, really serious about my movie geekdom. Mm. And, um... I can kind of remember it being one of the first sort of major cinematic letdowns, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, there was so much buildup to it, and I was so excited for it. And then when I saw it, I was just kind of like, oh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the good, um, like as I mentioned before, I think one of the best things about it is just the fact that it continued the Star Wars universe and it is a vital piece of the puzzle that has gotten us to where we are today. And I love where we are today. I love The Force Awakens. I love Rogue One. 
I love that different filmmakers are getting to put their hands on this universe, and I love what they're doing with it now. And whether or not I like the prequels, we wouldn't have gotten here without them. You know, that was a, that was a vital step. Right. Um, and and again, as I kind of mentioned in the intro, I've just I've really enjoyed watching Star Wars become the phenomenon that it is, and and see how big it is, and. I really appreciate it because, you know, I'm sort of a casual Star Wars fan. But when I look at more hardcore Star Wars fans like you guys and other people, I can just see how much fun that you have with it. And it seems like a very respectful community of fans, too. Like, it doesn't seem like people are hating on each other, you know? Mm. So, I enjoy that. Yeah. yeah I so, I, I don't know if that directly answers your question or not, but... There you go. <laughs> no, I think no. That's a great answer. What about you, Nathan? What what, do you, what would you say about it? How has it how has it had a personal impact or effect on you? I think it was. I don't know. It's pretty similar to what Daryl mentioned in a few ways. Um, I don't remember specifically being disappointed with it. Hmm. Um, I think the whole idea of the prequel trilogy was always. I always kind of felt like it was a little bit at arm's length. Um, just because the the originals had been around as long as I could remember. And so they were just, you know, Star Wars as I knew it. And then there was this new set of things which were, you know, in the Star Wars universe. But in a way, it was almost, I feel like I almost viewed it more like, like you might view, you know, some of the EU novels or something where it's like, oh, well, here's this new set of stuff that's coming out that's going to be different. Um, and it is technically Star Wars, but it's, not going to really feel necessarily like the way I remembered Star Wars. Mm. Um, and it was kind of obvious, you know, as soon as we saw that first trailer where there's the shiny ships and, and all of this kind of stuff. And it, it felt a little different, even though it was still technically Star Wars. So I do remember that, again, like Daryl said, yeah, it was, it was nice that there was something to bridge that time gap, um, and I remember right as we were building up to Phantom Menace, you know, that's right around when I started discovering the big uh, Star Wars fan sites and things like that and actually kind of keeping up with news that was coming out about it and that kind of thing. So that was, mm. that was interesting. So it gave us, you know, something to talk about because before Star Wars, again, was basically, you know, it was all the toys I had as a kid and, <laughs> and watching the TV guide every week to see if it would just happen to be on one of the channels and then frantically trying to find an empty VHS tape that I could tape it on. <laughs> um, whereas, so this was kind of a new, a new era for it, I guess. Um, so yeah, you know, when it eventually did come out, it, I wasn't really disappointed. I also wasn't really blown away, but I wasn't, I didn't know what I was even expecting really. Cause it was just mm. so different. So it was kind of more like, hmm, that's interesting, you know? Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, totally. Um, that's so funny because I feel I feel like in some way you just put me in my place because I, you know, I've said before, like when we talk about the Batman movies or we talk about the DC movies specifically, you know, I sort of get on my soapbox about how, well, why can't people look at these movies as just another take on the character? Why do they have to be so disappointed that it's not their version, you know? Uh, and then here you are putting me in my place about the Star Wars movies. So. <laughs> Touche. 
But they don't have Batman in them, so that's the problem. Yeah, so it's <laughs> a big, big flaw right there. Yeah. We have discovered your underlying bias. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. it, it's not that underlying. <laughs> you know, I, there's a couple of things you guys mentioned that I think really resonate with me. Like, so first of all, you know, there might be a lot of listeners out there who are too young to remember what Nathan just described. Like, so Nathan and I were both born in 1981, and that means that we were born during the time that the first movies were coming out, but didn't get to see them until we were slightly older, obviously. And um, I was born-ish that time. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> we're all we're all in that 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 same that same sphere of of time, and. So therefore, when you grew up with Star Wars, we didn't grow up with it in the theater because we were all too young to see these things in the theater, right? Um, I did see Jedi in the theater. Oh, did you? Oh, yeah. now, now I'm very jealous. <laughs> um, but that, that created a, an interesting dynamic because it was this type of thing where I was like, well, how can I get my hands on that? Like, like Nathan described trying to record it and trying to see. Like you didn't have on-demand stuff. Like, or if you did, it was in its really really early infancy right like it really wasn't a thing um so it's just a totally different time frame for what what we were um what we were living in and i know for me so the impact of the prequel trilogy um specifically because i know we'll, we'll probably talk about the original trilogy after we've done that series right but for me the prequel trilogy i already had this pre-existing love of star wars like it's Indiana Jones is still my favorite of favorites, but Star Wars is like as close of a second as you can possibly be. Um, and I think my reaction to the prequels is sort of in between you guys because part of me, like this is kind of what Daryl's saying, is like, did we really need these movies? And honestly, I can't think of a valid reason why we needed them. In other words... It wasn't like, like okay, I really need to understand exactly how Anakin made his choices, right? Or I really need to understand like what Obi-Wan was like before this. Do I love the fact that we get to see that? In some ways, yes. In some ways, no. Because uh, like as Daryl's hinting at, like from a storytelling perspective, mystery is such an important part of storytelling. And like not knowing how things came to be is sometimes a really valid thing in storytelling. And so for me, I, I looked at the prequel trilogy and I said, you know, I don't know. It It had a positive impact on me from the same aspect that Nathan said, which was we got more Star Wars. The negative impact to me was what Daryl said, which was, did we need more Star Wars? Probably not. And sometimes my imagination filled in gaps in a better way than the prequels were able to. Um, so I have to admit that after the prequel trilogy, I did have a question in my mind because this is, you know, I read, you know, I'm not, I'm not Mark, the Mark Herleman of legends. I do not, I have not read that many. <laughs> if you, if you guys listen to that podcast, the revenge of the Sith series, like he knows everything. I know a lot and I have a lot of, um, legends reading that I've done or playing the games as well, which I love the games. But I did not have that depth of knowledge. And therefore, this for me um, was taking away some of the mystery that I really liked. And so there, therefore, I kind of sided with Daryl. And I, there was a period of time after the prequels came out that I actually wondered if my love of Star Wars would continue. Because I have to be completely honest, if, the, if, they, keep, if they kept coming out with prequel movies that would continue uh you know the quality of the prequels that would 
start to detract in my mind from the overall experience of what Star Wars had been for me as a kid. So that's challenging because I'm like, oh man. Now I now I totally agree with Daryl, and I'm sure Nathan would too. The, with a Disney acquisition and what what's coming out now, I actually think some of the some of the book materials are maybe not as strong. Besides Lost Stars, Lost Stars is amazing. Go out and read Lost Stars; you'll really appreciate it. Um, but a lot of the books that have come out, I think, are okay. Uh, however, the movies that are coming out are amazing, and Disney's doing a really good job with that. So. It's just interesting to see how the quality of storytelling, the quality of the films that are coming out, the quality of the books that are coming out, the quality of the games that are coming out, really do have an overall impact about how you view and experience Star Wars to a degree. It's funny, I was kind of thinking, one way to look at it is the prequels are almost kind of like Superman Returns. And follow me on this. (laughs) (laughs) Superman, you know. Superman Returns came out, and I loved that movie because it had, you know, it had the Christopher Reeve nostalgia, but it did a lot of things wrong. It was basically a romantic comedy. There was no fighting in it, and it sort of took this direction on Superman that nobody really liked, um, which was a bummer. But it was a step in the process that led us to Man of Steel. Hmm. So I sort of feel the same way about the prequels. In some ways, George Lucas was kind of like saying. Well, here's the way not to do it, so you know what to do in the future. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Do you, you do your your George Lucas impersonation? You do. Uh, here's here's the way, uh, guys. Here's the way not to do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. My George Lucas could use some work. And you know, you never know what you're going to get when you're on the podcast. Like I can do some stuff outside the podcast, and then when it's live, who knows? <laughs> Star Wars fans, we are giving away two very special Star Wars prizes to Reclamation Society email subscribers. If you subscribe to the Reclamation Society's email updates, you are entered to win the Art of Rogue One. But thanks to a special donation from Daryl Smith, who is also one of the other hosts of the Story Geeks podcast, we have a second prize, a never-before-watched copy of The Phantom Menace on VHS. That means we have two super cool collector's items, and all you have to do is subscribe to our email updates, which, by the way, you should do anyways. So, go visit www.reclamationsociety.org, and you can enter to win there. The link is in the show notes, so go subscribe now! So now what I wanted to do, I wanted to actually go through the prequel trilogy and talk about some of the moments that we experienced as an audience and just get your feel for like, what are some of the moments and what emotions did come, came up for you as some of those moments came across? So I have a whole list of moments. So what I thought we'd do is just kind of ping around. And so I thought if you guys wouldn't mind starting with like before the prequels came out, like what was your thought process? Like where were you at? And Nathan, I'll start with you. What did, where, what did you think before the prequels were coming out when they start when they announced the prequels? What was your thought process like? I don't really remember. Um, <laughs> I mean, I was definitely excited just because, yeah, it was going to be more Star Wars. But right. but again, I think, like I said, I it was it was also kind of strange and. It, it might have been one of the first times, again, where, you know, there was a movie coming out years in the future that that you could actually look forward to and, right. and think about way ahead of time, because I don't think that happened very often um, before then. 
or at least not with the types of movies I cared about. So it was just interesting. And like I said, the, the one thing I do remember thinking is again, when the, when the first trailer hit is that it was very strange because it was the first time we were seeing new star Wars, which did not look like old star Wars. Right. Um, and that was just, it was just strange. And right. I don't know if it was good or bad, but it was just kind of there. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, then, then you have all the other stuff that you can, you know, immediately all the, the rumors start. And, you know, of course you hear that there's going to be a character called Senator Palpatine. And those of us who knew the toys knew what the emperor's name was. And we're like, oh, okay. We've got, you know, we understand what the, where this is going. So, right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I don't think it was like I started trying to come up with what was going to happen or anything like that. I'm, I'm much more passive. So yeah, <laughs> not a super interesting answer. <laughs> what about you, Daryl? No, I think that was, that was interesting because what you basically said was you were anticipating it, but you sort of knew that it wasn't going to be like the originals. And that's an interesting place to be, an interesting way to sort of sit, because I think a lot of us filled in gaps that maybe were not able to pan out. So what about you, Daryl? Like before the movies came out, what were what was it like for you? Yeah, I was I mean, I was super excited when I heard about it, because for me, you know, I, I did see Jedi in the theater, but for me, Star Wars was the road trip movie. Like my so my family, we would take a road trip to Colorado every summer and we would go in a motorhome. Hmm. And there was a TV in the back of the motorhome. So, you know, we'd be on the road for a couple of days. And my brother and I would pass the time by sitting in the back of the motorhome watching all three Star Wars movies, all three Back to the Future movies, Raiders, Last Crusade, you know, all that stuff. <laughs> and um so these, you know, these were like massive formative movies for me when I was a kid. And so when I heard that they were going to do more, it was a combination of things. I was super excited because it just never occurred to me that they would think to make more Star Wars movies. I just assumed it was done. Um, But I was also a little bit cautious because I was a savvy enough moviegoer to know that, at least this was true at the time, picking up old franchises and continuing them typically did not go well. <laughs> right. You know, and today that's not true. Today we have examples where they that goes incredibly well. You know, we have Mad Max Fury Road. We have the Star Wars movies. We have the Return of the X-Files. And, you know, all these different things that are coming back. But back we then... Have, we'd also have Transformers, though. <laughs> well, yeah. That, that was never know. a movie before. That was never a movie before, though. That's not fair. There's crappy exceptions to every rule. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but back then... You know, I remember it sort of being a general, generally accepted idea that that just wouldn't go well because, you know, things were lightning in a bottle and you couldn't recapture that. And so I was hesitant. And then when I saw the trailer for the first time, which if I remember correctly, the first image in the trailer is, isn't it the battle droid ship coming up over like a hill? I think that was one of the official trailers. The okay. first teaser trailer started out with basically a, um, 
uh, one of the Gungans riding through the mist, essentially. Mm. Oh, um, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I remember seeing those and thinking, this is exciting. I'm looking at new Star Wars, but also thinking, this kind of looks like a cartoon. <laughs> like, mm. even with as impressive as digital effects were back then, you know, they're way more impressive now, but... And and still that shot of the battle droid ship coming up over the hill, I watched that shot and I still think that's probably one of the most poorly animated shots in the whole, whole prequel series for me because I'm like, <laughs> it just looks very cartoonish. So, it, yeah, it was back and forth. I was really excited, but I was also like, how is this going to go? So. <laughs> True. I remember, so I'm just going to set the tone a little bit for where I was at because I, like you, uh, well, like both of you, I watched these movies over and over and over and over, like just on repeat. As soon as I could, my parents would let me watch them. I watched them a lot. And this was one of the first movies that my parents actually let me watch that was like a live action, action adventure kind of thing. Um, And thought they were phenomenal. Um, Didn't see them in the theater. Did see so so you got to understand like for us Star Wars fans that were born in eighty one or eight, born in the early eighties late seventies early eighties these films are the first thing in Star Wars that you've seen in like twenty years and um if I'm getting my timetable right it's about yeah almost fifteen twenty years so and not only that but the original trilogy was still better than the majority of sci fi filmmaking that had come since. No question. It's like the best sci-fi that you'd ever seen, right? Yeah. Um, and we did get re-releases, in, in re, uh, theatrical re-releases. Those were great. I would go see those every time. It's like, oh, yeah, I've got to get ready for the, you know, uh, the new, new releases that are coming out, the special editions. Um, loved all that stuff. And then they announced that they're going to be these prequels. And I, for me, my excitement was like through the roof. Like I could not be more excited about a movie coming out. I don't remember ever being more excited about a movie coming out about any other series that had come out. Um, so the anticipation was ridiculous. And, you know, one of the things that George Lucas has been amazing at is creating businesses, successful businesses multiple successful businesses around his creativity. I mean, he's like one of the four forerunners of like merchandising at this level. He's one of the forerunners at like technology companies around movies so that he could do different things in move in films in his creative. So the the hype machine on this thing was like nothing I had ever experienced before at all. Um, and I was right on, I was riding the hype train <laughs> is what I was doing. I was just pumped for it. So, um, it's interesting to see Nathan has probably the best because he was able to put that hype machine aside to a certain degree. Whereas I don't know if Daryl and I were able to do that as well. And that just, it's interesting to see the difference in the way that we think about the prequel trilogy. It wasn't the height of hype for me. There was one that was higher. Which oh, was, Batman. Uh, yeah, Tim Burton's Batman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, so let's go through some more of the, the more of the moments. Like, can you think through like what are, like so let's go Phantom Menace. What are some of the things, emotions that you experience in the Phantom Menace? I remember so let me, let me start out with this. I remember when the Jedi, when Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon first came on the screen, right? And you're kind of trying to figure this whole thing out because as you're seeing the Jedi which is pretty amazing, right? Because we haven't really seen any Jedi 
that are we've seen Luke and Luke has kind of been trained by force ghosts, right? Um, so you're seeing like the Jedi Order in its heyday for the first time. And I remember th- being super excited about that, like just getting chills because when the Jedi walk on the screen, you're like, whoa, crazy. These guys already have their lightsabers. They've had them for a long time. It's not like they just got someone else's, right? They probably created these themselves. Um, and I remember that being just pretty thrilling. What do you guys, did, what was experience did you have when the Jedi came on the screen? To me, it felt weird. To me, it felt so passive and kind of regal. Like, it almost felt like a British version of Jedi. I mean, <laughs> I, mean I guess it partially was. But, um, it's true. But I don't know. It, it didn't have kind of the, I can't find the words I'm trying to find, but it didn't have sort of the passion and the edge that Luke had. And so already I was kind of like, I don't, to me it was already less interesting because I'm like, I miss Luke's aggression you know yeah 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 for sure what about you nathan what was your first thought about the jedi i feel like it was again probably just that it was different Mm. and a little odd for them to be in that context Mm. but again yeah i think it was just because it was different well, and this and this leads me to kind of like my the second one I have on there is that we're I'm experiencing the Jedi and I'm like yes this is Star Wars there's Jedi and then, and granted they're different like Daryl's saying but we're uncovering more mystery like right like oh well why are they like this what what's going on and at the same time we're experiencing Newt Gunray <laughs> we're experiencing the Trade Federation we're experiencing probably one of my least favorite things walking out of the Phantom Menace was this was these battle droids, right? And it's this, like, Roger, Roger. I'm like, no, come yeah. on. Like, why are they doing that? Like, that sounds so stupid. And we're seeing the Gungans, and the Gungans are like... I am just I found that very confusing, because at the same time they're saying Star Wars, they're introducing these elements that I'm like, why are they introducing this? This seems so dumb. And Jar Jar? Oh, Jar Jar. I hate... Like, Jar Jar is the one character in Star Wars... Like the the battle droids, I'm annoyed by, right? The Gungans, the most of the Gungans, I'm like, this is just very childish. Jar Jar is, and I know that you know a bunch of you can send me emails saying that you love Jar Jar. I hate <laughs> Jar Jar. I hate him. I think he's the worst character ever. Um, I just don't understand why he's there. He's so childish. He makes dumb jokes. Even if you tell me that this. I would like to. We'll get into this later, but like tonally, how you can go from Jar Jar in the Phantom Menace to Anakin and Obi Wan's battle at the end of Return uh, Revenge of the Sith, how you can go through that tonally is beyond me for why they chose that. <laughs> um, so I just I hate Jar Jar. But what do you guys? What's your take? Yeah, Jar Jar's terrible. <laughs> Are you on that train, Nathan? Um, I probably wouldn't go as far. I mean, he definitely is annoying. <laughs> probably, <laughs> probably more annoying than was intended. Because again, remember, he has, you know, his, the point of his character is to be annoying. But I don't even remember how I initially reacted to him. So I must mm. not have reacted quite as, as powerfully as you two. Yeah. I remember just walking out, and, and we'll get to this because we're going to get out of the Phantom Menace in a bit here, but being very confused walking out of the Phantom Menace 
because here's a couple other things I'll just I'll just throw out there like you know Jake Lloyd I think a lot of people have criticized him I think they have a little bit unfairly criticized him because first of all no, no, it's fair <laughs> well and 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 I understand the criticism I think it's mostly George Lucas's fault I think that in fact there's actually um, part of the special features if you watch them there was another actor who was doing a better audition but but George Lucas says I, I kind of like Jake Lloyd he's kind of uh, he's kind of all over the place I kind of like what he's he seems really raw and I'm like <laughs> Okay. Okay, go for it. But I mean like, you know, you get you get what you get. You get some you get some honest emotion and then you get some like, you know, not great acting and George couldn't control that very well, right? So that's what you get. Um what were you guys feelings about Darth Maul? Okay, for me, Darth Maul is well, specifically first when you see him for the first time when he kind of comes out of the ship mysteriously and then sends those those like probes out or whatever like that scene and then the scene when he appears ready to fight Qui-Gon and and uh, Obi-Wan those are like two of the best scenes in Star Wars for me like when Darth Maul showed up I was just like that's freaking cool (laughs) like Mm -hmm. You know, my only exposure to Star Wars was the original movies and a little bit of the video games. But so I never had any context for other Sith outside of uh, the Emperor and Vader. Hmm. So it's when Darth Maul shows up, I'm like, that is awesome. What about you, Nathan? What did you think of Darth Maul? That is. <sighs> That's interesting. Um, it reminds me that he was one of the few that I, I think I did actually have a reaction to, but that was more when, during all the marketing. So, you know, way before it came out and where, it, you know, it's like there was probably some big news story. It's like, you know, new Sith revealed or whatever, right? And and it's this guy that's like black and red with horns. And, and I remember feeling it just felt way too over the top. It's like, let mm. me guess, he's he's supposed to be evil. <laughs> you know may, maybe it's the the blood red streaks on his face or maybe the 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 horns coming out of his head and it's like yeah i don't know i feel like they're trying a little too hard and you know it's it's like the new edgier grittier star wars um <laughs> so i i remember that being my first reaction um but I don't necessarily remembering that, remember that continuing after I saw it, because I think he was much more subdued in the movie than mm. the marketing might have led one to believe. So, you know, because he, he wasn't, he still wasn't like a normal evil cackling villain, right? He was... Right. So I think I liked how they treated him. It's just, yeah, his, his character design felt strange and a little off at first um but again you know it it was something you know we'd never seen in star wars before so that was also part of it but that was like the first time it felt like a character design was specifically trying to like hammer home how evil someone was (laughs) right i i was i was with daryl on this one because i thought that the Darth Maul design. It was it was something that um and, and and again, right, like this is 
as a kid watching the original trilogy and then realizing that they're going to have a prequel trilogy, I have now grown up. So part of me probably has an expectation that Star Wars will be at my maturity level, even if the original trilogy wasn't, right? So Nathan, you're descri- what you're kind of describing is, well, no, I just kind of figured like it was going to be a different kind of Star Wars, but you had maybe a better, a better ability to kind of see it for what it was. Whereas I was way more on the Daryl side of things, which was like, oh, darker, grittier, edgier. Yeah, cool. Darth Maul is going to kill people. This is amazing, you know? <laughs> um, so I think that that was, it's interesting to, to hear the perspectives because I think the perspectives you take in are what then tells you whether or not you were disappointed by the time you get out of the film. Um, so it's kind of interesting to hear that. What did you guys think of seeing Palpatine? Because like you mentioned, Nathan, like we Star Wars fans knew that when you said Senator Palpatine, you know who that is. So what did you think of him? Yeah, I I liked it. Um, how he's basically just there and doing things. And, you know, based on what you know about him, it can be seen as either just a politician or as having underlying stuff. Um, but it was fun that they didn't make it too obvious, especially in that movie. Um, although there are a few things that do point to it a little more than others. But yeah, I seem to remember liking all of that. What do you think, Daryl? What did you think of Palpatine? I can't remember if I knew who he was when Phantom Menace came out. I feel like I did. I seem to remember watching it knowing that he was the Emperor, but um, I think I've said in a previous podcast that that character is the one exception to my whole sort of mourning the mystery thing. Like his character, I actually really enjoyed getting to learn more about and seeing how he kind of played both sides and controlled everything and eventually became who he was. Yeah, I actually feel this is again, it's so funny because Daryl and I are like on the same page with a lot of the ways we were feeling because I would say the exact same thing. He's the one character who I was like, oh, no, this is actually interesting that they're revealing the mystery. And I think it's partially because there's still so much mystery to unravel with him, even after you finish all three prequels. Um, and I think that makes it really fascinating in my mind that Palpatine... So I really was stoked to see Palpatine. And as I saw him, I'm like, whoa, I know some underlying things here. So from a storytelling standpoint, it's really interesting because as an audience member, you're let in on the fact, I mean, you know Anakin's going to be Vader, and you're like, well, what is this going to look like? But at the same time, you're like, I know Palpatine's going to be the Emperor. How do we get from here to there? And I think that's a really interesting character journey from that mystery. So do you have a response? Oh, yeah. I was also going to mention that, and I forgot about this, but obviously we did definitely know that Emperor Palpatine and Senator Palpatine were probably the same person. Um, but what, what was an interesting side effect of that is I remember, you know, since I had that figured out, the one thing I did not figure out immediately was that he was also Sidious. Ah, so I was, I, I didn't even think about that at all. It's just like, okay, so we've got Sidious and Maul and we've got Palpatine and, you know, I know he's going to become the emperor and be evil, but I didn't actually make the Sidious connection until... A while later, um, and I think it was actually my my uncle 
who I looked up to as as the family super Star Wars geek. He had <laughs> he had all the best toys because he had the audacity to be born earlier when you could actually get them new <laughs> instead of finding them at the thrift store. Yeah, right. Um, so yeah, so I do remember that was that was probably like the one, the you know the first fan theory reveal that that actually surprised me. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm just really glad we didn't have. Uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi telling us that like Sidious has been killed by Palpatine or something. Um, anything else from the Phantom Menace that stood out to you guys from a, from like as a reaction you had, like an emotional reaction or like a thought process reaction? The the only other thing that I think of is just hearing Duel of the Fates for the first time. Mm. To this day, that's I think it's still the only score piece of music from a movie that I can name, that I can say the title of. And it's, I mean, it's still just one of my very favorite pieces of music from a movie. Oh, no question. That's an amazing, that's a, the the whole soundtrack is phenomenal, but that, that one in particular is, is really, really good. So that takes us through the Phantom Menace. I don't have as many notes on the other two movies. Um, so you guys can jump in whenever you want to, um, talk about it, but I remember one of the biggest disappointments to me going in to see Attack of the Clones. Because now now I've exited the Phantom Menace, and I'm going, ah, some things I loved about that, but there's some things that I really hated about that. Hashtag Jar Jar. And then, um, then I'm going, okay, I'm going to go see Attack of the Clones. I already don't like the name, by the way. So I had an, an averse reaction to Attack of the Clones. Because for, for those of you who may be younger, like cloning was a topic of conversation at the turn of the millennia and the turn of the century and i just felt like that it seemed like star wars was trying to capitalize on what was being talked about in culture as being a thing and it just felt cheesy to me the title itself felt cheesy to me i remember thinking that um what did you guys have any perceptions when they said the attack of the clones going to come out that that you was it what did you have a reaction to that i remember being intrigued by it because I remembered the conversation from A New Hope when Luke kind of meets up with Old Ben, you know, after the sound the Sand People encounter and hearing him mention the Clone Wars and just kind of that being like a one-off mention. I was always so intrigued by that. I'm like, "Oh, I wonder what that was like." So, I was intrigued by it, but even during the trailers and stuff like that, I could already kind of tell I'm like, "I don't know if I'm going to like this." <laughs> <laughs> What about you, Nathan? Did you have a reaction to it? I do remember thinking the name felt kind of on the goofy side. Yeah. Um, and just trying to figure out how much it actually was goofy and how much it was just new. You know, for example, The Empire Strikes Back, when you think about it, is kind of a weird title. Right. It's, it, it's very specific <laughs> and strange. <laughs> um, but, yeah, Attack of the Clones... It's still not a great title, but there, there's actually a shout out to another podcast because uh, Michael Young was on our the Phantom Menace podcast, and um, he's also on the Jedi Alliance podcast. And they recently just did a "What did you think of when the titles came out and the titles were announced?" Um, so that's kind of an interesting show. You can go listen to that on the Jedi Alliance podcast. Um, one of my biggest disappointments outside of Jar Jar that occurs in Attack of the Clones was actually seeing the young Boba Fett and having yeah. him involved at all. 
talk about a character with a ton of mystery. Um, and you know, like no disintegrations, disintegrations. What are disintegrations? That sounds amazing. You know, like that, that's super cool. And then it's like, we see him. Right, and then you're just like, why does he have long hair? <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. I have so many questions about this kid who I know who he grows up to be, and love that character. One of my top three characters. But what do you, what was your guys' reaction to Kid Boba? I hated him. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm trying not to just jump in with that as my answer for everything. It's <laughs> just the the whole scene where he's flying around with his dad, trying to like. <laughs> shoot obi-wan down and he's like cheering his dad on like he's his evil hero you know and i'm just it's like really this is boba like i know i felt the exact same way i did like the actor that they chose to play Django. yeah and i was okay with with Django, and even having the name Django fett i think it would have been more interesting if boba was not mentioned or included at all Yep. And we were just left to wonder, so is Fett his last name? Like, is right. this part of the Fett family line? Or is it like, is Fett the name of a clan that they come from? Or the type of bounty hunter they are? Like, it would have been cool to not know yeah. that. Yeah. Or just show him as a baby clone, you know? And like, oh, here's the one unaltered clone that Jango um, wanted. And then have him just disappear, right? Like, we don't hear about him again. Uh, that would be way cooler, in my opinion, too. So, I did. I did have a little bit of a. Um, it was a little bit of a bummer for me that the armor looked so similar. Um, I would have liked it if they would have taken some creative license to make. And I understand that Boba's armor is a tribute to his father in many ways, but I would have loved to see him just designed differently. You know, maybe the helmet's the same, but the armor's way different or something. But it was basically a Boba Fett clone. Obviously, it's like the opposite of that, right? But like having seen the originals, you see Django and you're like, oh, he's just the same guy, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Attack of the Clones is not about subtlety. So, <laughs> no, not so much. Which brings me actually, which is a good segue because I liked the choice, the casting choice of Hayden Christensen, except the execution of the love story and the direction of the love story, I was so frustrated by. Um, because it just felt so forced, and we talked about this in the podcast when we all, when the three of us talked about talked about the attack of the clones, it just felt so forced. So I was just really frustrated with the entire love story. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> now there is, I did love if you take Boba Fett out of the Obi Wan Kenobi Jango Fett extended scene from the fight on. Camino to the space battle in the asteroid belt. Um, I did love that scene with the exception of Boba because that scene, this again, the sound design in that scene with the, those charges that are set off by slave one is phenomenal. Um, okay. That brings us to the Yoda fight scene. So I, we talked about this on the attack of the clones podcast and we talked about this kind of at length. But I remember, as we talked about then, being disappointed with the Yoda fight scene. Now, 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 Nathan, I don't think you were as disappointed with it as Daryl and I were. No, I don't think so. Yeah. Shocker. 
Yeah, shocker. <laughs> Nathan's like, it was all right. And Daryl and I, it was amazing. It was terrible. Um, but Nathan, you made a good point about it. You made the point that it was a picture of Yoda using the Force to move himself, which I thought was really cool. That was an angle that I hadn't thought about before when I wanted him to be Steven Seagal. <laughs> Yoda as Steven Seagal is awesome. Um, now, were there any other like things that occurred in Attack of the Clones that you guys felt strongly about? I will say that on this latest watch, um, the thing that definitely bugged me the most and bugged me more than I remember it bugging me before and probably more than anything else did in Phantom or Clones is the, the C-3PO head swap. yeah just because it is so out of place and you know at least jar jar is supposed to be a bumbling idiot and the characters know that but c-3po isn't really supposed to be right and you have this whole extended sequence of weird slapstick stuff and bad puns (laughs) and none of it's really funny and it just is long and weird and it's like one of those things where you're like ah why why does this have to be in there to prove people right about how bad things can be in these movies (laughs) well and and not to mention like tonally tonally that slapstick is all occurring as jedi and clones are dying (laughs) right right so it's it's like am i supposed to be laughing about this while the jedi and the clones are being like you know, they, they end up winning, but that's a pretty intense battle through that sequence. So It's just any other- to get you ready for the eventual Django decapitation. So you're just like, oh, head <laughs> off. Ah, oh, that's fine. <laughs> that's that's right. well, Just put it on a battle droid. <laughs> oh, no, that would be a whole tonal shift right there. That brings us to Revenge of the Sith. And I only have two notes here on Revenge of the Sith. Um, I remember, so this is what's, what's really fascinating is doing this podcast and, you know, um, having done revenge of the Sith, watched it and talked about it. Now I feel a lot differently about that film than I did when it first came out. Cause when it first, when that film first came out, I just remember feeling two things predominantly. Oh, well, no, actually three things. One, oh my gosh, Darth Vader killed a bunch of kids. (laughs) Which is so crazy. I was telling people the other day, like, there's a lot of, like, these Darth Vader kid books, like Darth Vader and Luke, you know, like, and it'll be like, you know, Darth Vader as your your dad, you know, and every time I see those kid books, I'm like, that dude murdered a bunch of children. (laughs) Like, it's not really a comical character in any way, shape, or form. And it kind of cracks me up. Um, but so I remember, I remember that. Did you guys have any reactions to that? I think for me, by the time that happens, I'm just like, okay, sure. (laughs) (laughs) Just like, I've, I gave up a long time ago. (laughs) I was kind of like, all right. (laughs) See, that's one thing I never, I never gave up even through the end of it. But what I remember from the beginning was, and so you see the youngling scene and then all I remember was youngling scene. And I remember... Darth, the Darth Vader no scene, and I remember being super uncomfortable with the tone shift 
particularly of the Anakin Obi Wan battle, because we don't see him like, you know, decapitating younglings. That would be awful. But we don't see him doing those things. So we still keep that. We still retain that sort of like PG vibe until that last battle where we see Anakin just over the top. He's going nuts. Uh, then we see like then Obi Wan saying he has the high ground, and then the, then the what the you know. Anakin burning alive and all this kind of stuff. And you're just like, oh my gosh, like what in the world happened in this movie? So I remember being pretty uncomfortable walking out of Revenge of the Sith. But I will say on this last viewing, I actually feel like it's a lot more... I don't think that that it earns this based on the previous two films. But I do feel like it was heart-wrenching, tragic, and the Darth Vader no did not bother me as much this time. But what was your guys' takes? What kind of experiences did you have with Revenge of the Sith? You, I don't know exactly what you were referring to, Jay, but you mentioned this movie not earning something based on the two films that came before it. But what comes to my mind when you say that is, you know, the the final motivation that pushes Anakin to submit to Sidious. Yeah. Um, and you know. <laughs> like so many things in these movies the the idea is good and the execution is bad so the idea that there's a threat of losing padme just like he lost his mother if you just sum it up like that it's a great idea that's good motivation but the way they execute it you know with the dream and with this like last minute for me it was last minute the whole idea of darth plagueis who could you know, bring people back to life. I didn't know about that until that point. Um, I don't know. It just wasn't executed well. So I didn't feel like they earned his transition um, into Darth Vader. And again, just more, for me, more bad performances and stuff like that. Um, but let me say some good stuff too. I think, and I was surprised by this, but I think this movie has maybe my favorite well, one of my favorite moments in the whole prequel trilogy, which is, I don't know, if is it Order 66? Is that what they yep. say? Yeah, Order 66. When that happens, when that shift happens and all the clones turn on the Jedi and everything clicks and you realize, oh, okay, the Empire was just born. You know, mm, like yeah. when that happens, I'm like, like, who cares about the rest of the movie? Like that is cool when yeah. <laughs> you see something that iconic be just clicked into place like that i'm like that's awesome that is awesome all right guys we spent a lot of time on that but let's go to question three which is are there spiritual perspectives that george lucas weaves into the prequel trilogy that resonate with you and vice versa are there any that make you sort of pause and question them i'll start with daryl on this one um yeah, this was a hard one for me to think through because obviously there's a lot of, you know, quote unquote spirituality in the movie. But to me, it's a, it's so nebulous. Like, I don't really know what the force is. <laughs> um, and I feel like after seeing the prequels, which would seem to be trying to shed some light on it, I actually feel like I know less about what the force is. <laughs> but as far as like spiritual themes and stuff like that, the thing that really sticks out the most to me is sort of the downfall of selfishness and self-focusedness because that's, you know, that's kind of what 
leads Anakin to become Vader, which is sort of the whole point of the prequels, is that he's just never focused on anything beyond himself. Mm. Which is kind of what we've talked about as the definition of a villain on these podcasts before. Right. So that's really all I got. Okay, that's good. That's good. What about you, Nathan? Yeah, basically the same. It does seem like, in a way, I mean, obviously the prequels are about Anakin's fall to the dark side. So there's there's that where it's obviously, well, here's, here's probably what's not good to do. Um, but then we also, again, like we've talked about in the previous podcast, that's somewhat mirrored with the, the Jedi Order itself, is that, well, we're showing you more about the Jedi Order, but we're kind of learning throughout this that maybe maybe that also isn't the best way to go about things, even if the intentions are good. Mm. And what makes it a little muddier as to like, if you're asking kind of like what George Lucas is actually trying to say is that's, that's a little harder to tell because you have a lot of, of the Jedi's teachings that are presented as basically it feels like the movie is saying that these are good teachings. Um, but it also turns out when you think about it more that these are also, you know, the no attachments, the essentially no love, that kind of thing. It, it's presented in such a way that if you just took the movie at face value, it sounds like, oh, these are, these are good things because the Jedi are saying them. And these (laughs) are, you know, if you want to be a nice spiritual monk, this makes sense. But Again, this this is also some of the things that led to Anakin's downfall. And even further, if you look at the original trilogy, Luke and Han and Leia like definitely don't follow any of those. <laughs> and they succeed way better than the Jedi Order does. So it's a little weird because it feels like it has this message about both the Sith and the Jedi Order being wrong and what to be careful about spiritually but it's not always obvious that 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 is what it's saying right and so the question is right like how intentional was all of that and how sort of intentional was it or how much was some of it just an accident and it's it's a little hard to tell sometimes yeah and that's that's one of the reasons why we closed out the last episode of revenge of the sith that podcast with you know, as a as a writer as well, so you know, obviously George works on these stories. I think it's interesting because you find yourself at different places in life where uh, you are exploring the world through your storytelling, and it really feels to me, like I said in the other podcast, that George was exploring Eastern mysticism throughout the original trilogy, and then in the prequel trilogy, he's really exploring the dichotomy between political strength and spiritual strength that occurred in the Christian in the early Christian church along with the Roman Empire which is weird because we got the eastern mysticism before so we have eastern mysticism weaved in with this political drama that's it's 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 interesting so i had on my like they resonate with me side the dangerous the 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 nature of politics and spirituality and if you let politics start to guide your spirituality, you end up in a really negative place, which I think he sort of points to in the Jedi Order. Um, really, spirituality should drive your politics, not the other way around. 
Um, I, the other thing I really liked about what his perspective was was that he constantly re- like refers to mindfulness and meditation as being really important spiritual practices. And though I think he takes that too far, like you just said, Nathan, where he's like basically like, well, you should be emotionless. That's what you should do. That's the, obviously the best case scenario. Um, I think many of us would say, well, that's really not the best case scenario because if we're just emotionless, then how are we actually going to help people? And how do we, aren't attachments really valuable? And shouldn't we love other people, you know? Um, but I do think that mindfulness and understanding where your emotional state is and and also medita- meditation on spirituality, whatever your spirituality is, is really important to helping you center yourself so that you're not just out there constantly chasing things that are of no value to you. So I really like those two perspectives in the prequels. The biggest thing that gives me pause is still this concept of balance. And I know that we actually... One of the things I've really enjoyed about the podcast series is that we've been really asking the balance question every single time. And it really has helped because like like we had, we talked about, you know, um, the prophecy of the chosen one who was going to bring balance to the force was to end the Sith as well, right? So that was mm-hmm. like kind of clarified some of that balance for us, which I think is good. But I think it's still just so vague. And even just having that prophecy introduced and also questioned in the same series, like... It's very strange. Like, oh, here's the prophecy of the one. And then it's like the next thing you know, like, well, if we're even reading that policy well or that, that prophecy well, I'm like, yeah, okay, that's just as a as a viewer of your story, that's making it very confusing to understand how this is going to have any sort of impact, if at all. Um, so I would say that that is a that's a challenging spiritual perspective because I don't have I still don't really have a clue about what it means. And as you pointed out, Daryl, how the force even works with that. Yeah. Hey guys, pardon my brief interruption here, but do you need a new pair of headphones? If you do, I want to tell you about our sponsor, Urban Vinyl. They make premium wood headphones that look amazing. But here's the thing, they're made by audiophiles for audiophiles, so they sound as good as they look. In fact, reviewers have called their headphones the best headphones on the market. Better even than Bose and Beats. And you know what? I agree. They're what I use when I record this podcast. Please consider purchasing a pair using the link in the show notes. If you click the link to their website and use the promo code J, my name, my first name, J-A-Y, super simple, you save 15% and Urban Vinyl will make a donation to the Reclamation Society. So if you need headphones or you're looking to upgrade the pair that you currently have, definitely take a look at what Urban Vinyl has to offer. Click the link in the show notes to visit their website and use my name, J-A-Y, to get the 15% discount. Thanks for letting me interrupt. Now, let's get back to the show. So in what ways, if any, do you think the prequel trilogy has impacted our culture? What do you think, Nathan? Well, besides uniting thousands of nerds in a common hatred of something... (laughs) Um, (laughs) but otherwise i don't know like we talked about before you know basically bridging bridging the gap and keeping star wars alive for younger generations um to even know what it is and not think of it just as you know those really old movies like spider-man thinks um (laughs) Like Daryl said, I don't, 
I don't think we could really have Force Awakens and Rogue One if we didn't have the prequels in there in the meantime. Yeah, definitely. What about you, Daryl? Yeah, I agree. I think um, just the perpetuation of Star Wars is a big deal for culture. Like, it's a big part of geek culture. It's a big part of American culture. And, you know, as a father, too, like, it is a, it's a geek property that I'm totally fine with my four-year-old son being a fan of, you know? Like, there's so many worlds and universes and stuff out there that are dark and full of disillusionment and just ugly stuff. Star Wars has its darkness, but it is a, it's a, a good world. You know what I mean? Like it is worth putting your time into and it's something good for people to enjoy. And it's, I just think it's a really good piece of entertainment culture to be perpetuated. And I'm glad that it's just getting bigger and bigger. Hmm. This is, this is, so this is why I love talking about this stuff because as a storyteller, I'm always trying to understand how a story is going to weave itself into the culture around it. And I think the prequels versus the original trilogy is a stark contrast to what good storytelling does. So bear with me for a second, because in the original trilogy, what were we told over and over and over again? We were told to trust your feelings, that your feelings are super important. And this is coming on the on the backside of like, uh, political upheaval and war uh, in Vietnam and now entering the Cold War uh, or not entering the Cold War but at the height of the Cold War and we're told to trust our feelings and what do you hear more in culture more than anything else today you know 30 years later or whatever it is now uh, you or 40 years later so we celebrated the 40th anniversary you constantly hear feelings your feelings are really important Right? Your feelings are really critical. Like You must concentrate on your feelings. If you were to go tell our grandparents' generation that, they would be like, what? Who cares about your feelings? That's not the way the world works. You just got to do these things, right? It was, it was not as feelings of, as an oriented culture. What's interesting about the prequels to me was that I don't think the prequels were able to have that kind of impact on culture at all. So whereas the original trilogy actually was a cultural icon that actually got people to think differently. The prequels are constantly reminding us that mindfulness is really important. And the prequels are constantly reminding us that we shouldn't be self-focused. And yet we're as a culture, we're more self-focused than ever. And mindfulness is not even a thing. Like, like I go, I, I work. So my other job is I work at a college, right? And I work at a college where um, it's a faith-based college. So there should be spirituality worked into everything. And I will tell you that this, the, the students that I work with, a lot of them, they don't have a concept of mindfulness because they're constantly being um, just barraged with a ton of media and things that they could be distracting themselves with. And so mindfulness isn't something that's in as a part of our normal everyday culture, the way that trust your feelings is, right? So this is, I think the prequels versus the original trilogy do such an interesting job of capturing 
where the culture shifts and how the storytelling impacts the culture. I'm not saying it's just Star Wars. There's other things, other stories impact the culture as well. But that's one big takeaway that I had as I reflected on this question. Um, just a couple of really quick. You guys already mentioned my other two um, because obviously technology and film, George Lucas has been leading that for 40 years, ultimately. Um, he's been at the forefront of that whole thing. I mean, someone can make an argument for James Cameron and we can have that discussion another time, but... Um, and then you, you mentioned this, like creating a whole new generation of Star Wars fans, a whole new generation of Star Wars fans with completely different expectations of what Star Wars would even become and what it should be. Um, which is really pretty amazing that like, if we didn't have the prequels and you guys have both said this at different times during this podcast, if we didn't have the prequels, like Star Wars would probably not be a thing the way that it is today. If the prequels didn't exist. It'd be a bunch of old people like us going, Star Wars is amazing, and a bunch of kids going, Star Wars has really cheesy effects and we don't really like it that much. Okay. One question I have for you guys. Character arcs usually reveal a lot about the way that the author of the story or the storyteller feels about human nature. So are there anything that anything that stood out to you, Nathan, maybe you'll start with you, with the character arcs and what they reveal about human nature? I think just that it's very difficult to do the right thing all the time Mm. and then even further with the jedi order we see it's sometimes even harder if you've tried to set up a structure of additional rules to try to make sure you do the right thing all the time Mm. um and also you know if if you want an easier time ruling the galaxy just be straight up evil and it makes it simple (laughs) it's it's much easier than democracy yeah that's true Anything you had, Daryl? I almost exactly the same thing. Just that human nature is imperfect. Like we get a good picture of that. You know, we get a picture that even the Jedi Council is imperfect, and really the only steadfast character in the whole movie is Palpatine. But he's out of his mind, so that's a bad <laughs> example. Right. Yeah, I had the same, almost virtually the same notes. I had a couple other notes. Um, one, I think mindfulness is hard, right? Like that's clearly showcased even like Qui-Gon has it down because Qui-Gon's meditating in the midst of the duel of the fates battle. And yet Obi-Wan, like, I still think Obi-Wan turns to the dark side for like that 30 second period there. Um, so yeah, mindfulness is hard. I had the same thing with nobody's perfect. Um, the, the other, the only other one that you guys didn't mention that I had which is not emphasized, but I think it's really interesting um, storytelling sort of reveal is, and I believe this is true, is that I personally don't believe that there's that big of a separation between criminals and honorable citizens. And I know that a lot of people like, because, you know, as you deal with morality and what you're trying to think about when you think about morality is, well, at least you're constantly comparing, right? Well, at least I'm not as bad as that person. At least I'm not doing this. At least I'm not doing that. But the reality is the more I think about it, and this is true of some podcasts I've listened to even recently. I was, I was talking to Daryl bef- and Nathan before that we started about um, This American Life with Ira Glass. And you just hear people who have gotten themselves into situations where you go, Oh yeah. In those, in, in that similar circumstance, I may have made similar decisions that are really bad decisions. And 
that should be a cautionary tale to us that not that much separates Anakin from Mace Windu. Not that much separates Anakin from even Yoda, you know? Um, and that's a good message that I think is rarely, rarely communicated in films. Because a lot of times we just see villains and heroes and you don't get a lot of nuance there. Okay, two more questions and then we're done. Um, the first one is, what do you think the prequel trilogy did really well? What do you think, Daryl? I think world building. That's just the, the thing that I always go to. You know, even if for me the story's flawed and the performances are flawed and stuff like that. George Lucas just widened the Star Wars world so much and gave us so much more to enjoy. Mm. So, and the music. Those are my two favorite things about it, I'd have to say. Awesome. Nathan? Yeah, I had basically, you know, bringing Star Wars kind of into the modern movie making style with, Mm. you know, better effects. This is when complicated dueling choreography basically became a thing, you know, where it's like, Oh, you know, what are, what cool thing are they going to do in, in this, in the lightsaber duel in this movie? Right. Right. And yeah, of course, John Williams, um, we got really good themes, um, throughout the series. So. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I didn't, I didn't even, for some reason, the music didn't come up to me, but you're totally right. The music was, both you guys are right. The music was amazing. The only three I had were sound, the tech technology. Um, and then you guys kind of had this one too, but like the fact that it kept Lucasfilm at the forefront of our thinking, which then allowed for Disney to make Disney's deal and then allowed for them to take over. And that's where we get to where we are today, which is super cool. So now this is probably a longer list for some of us. <laughs> what do you think the trilogy could have done better? <laughs> and I'll start with you, Nathan. Maybe you have a shorter list than Daryl. does. <laughs> well, I, I can do Daryl's easily, right? Just everything. <laughs> um, that is the easiest way to sum it up. Yeah. Uh, I would just say it felt like he could have trusted the audience a little more. Hmm. And I guess what I mean by that, that is a fantastic point <laughs> is uh, at Star Wars Celebration that just happened recently. Um, he was actually there and they were doing an interview and he did mention that he's like, I'm, I made Star Wars for 12 year olds who are, you know, basically just entering adulthood and have to start thinking about these bigger questions about you know, what is my role in the world and what is the correct thing to do and that kind of stuff. And obviously, especially with the original original trilogy, that seemed to work out really well and it seemed to serve its purpose. And it just felt like the prequels up until Revenge of the Sith, obviously, felt like they were aimed at a lot younger audience for some reason. Um, and so you had a lot of these extended comedy or action sequences that just felt like filler. Whereas in the original trilogy, you had comedy, but a lot of it was just kind of worked into the dialogue or, or small snippets. And it, and it felt like it trusted you more. Whereas the newer ones, it was like, okay, well, now it's time for the goofy character or the goofy <laughs> action sequence or that kind of thing. So right that's great yeah that's really good what about you daryl 
Well, I, I, I won't go down a big list. <laughs> I think, um, cause yeah, I've got, I've got problems with a lot of the execution of the movies. I think there's some great ideas in there. And again, like I said, I love the world building. I think if I could sum it all up to me, there's a perception that George Lucas made these movies in a bit of a vacuum. And, and I, I, you know, I, I don't know to what level he was actually collaborating. Obviously, I don't know what it looked like behind the scenes, but to me, it just feels like it could have benefited from more voices speaking into it. Mm. Um, you know, you look at Force Awakens and you've got J.J. Abrams and Kathleen Kennedy and the, the name of the original writer is escaping me. The guy that they worked with who actually wrote on Empire and... Kasdan? Kasdan. Lawrence Kasdan? Lawrence Kasdan, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So he had all these other people that he was talking to and all this other input. Um, and maybe George did too. It's just the perception is that George, you know, he kind of just did what he wanted to do. And sometimes that works out, you know, like I would argue that with Chris Nolan, that works out pretty well. <laughs> but, you know, there's other people like you mentioned James Cameron. I think he's another good example of somebody who is in his own world and just doesn't make good stuff anymore. Mm. And um, so I just think collaboration is important and having other voices speak into it is a big deal. Because, you know, I could go down the, lo- the list of stuff that bug me, directing, writing, acting, lack of emotion, <laughs> you know, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Basically all the elements of a movie. But... <laughs> um, but I don't think it's fair to just say, well, George sucked. He should have done a better job. You know, I think that doesn't tell the whole truth, and that's not a fair answer to the question. I think there's other intricacies that were part of it, you know? Yeah. I, it occurs to me, every time I watch some of the behind-the-scenes features, uh, um, and I believe it's Rich McCallum, um, he does a lot of those and he's like talking to the audience about all of what's going on. And it occurs to me that like, even when he's talking in discussions with George, I don't ever see him push back. I don't think I've seen him push back even once. And I think he seems like one of the main advisors to George at the time. And, and I think that that's a good indication of like what you're saying, Daryl is like, if you just have everyone around you going, yes, George, amazing, George, Jar Jar is hilarious, George, then you really do make some pretty bad decisions. In fact, on a recent Blast Points episode, they were talking about how George Lucas's wife at the time, they're now divorced, uh, had a lot, seemed to have a lot of impact on the scripts that came out for the original trilogy. Because maybe she's one of the only people who could tell George, George, this sucks. Don't do this. Um, so you really need those people in your life as a create as a creator of um, material that's going to be distributed to people. You know, you really need people in your life that are going to say like that sucks. Don't put that out there. Uh, yeah, that's always really good. I don't know that like um, Nathan. I always really appreciate Nathan as a counterpoint because Nathan and I collaborate on um, most of the stories that we tell these days. We're we're collaborating on them, and Na- I usually give Nathan story credits on those because he's just so impactful to the storytelling process and he will frequently say like well that doesn't make any sense <laughs> like, uh, i guess that's true not quite like um, that not quite like that he's much nicer <laughs> about it than that but um 
I, I just throw in a couple more things. Like I think we've talked about this already, but slavery could have been handled way better. Um, trying to create likable characters. You know, I think if you're trying to do a Shakespearean tragedy where at the end, the hero, so to speak, has really gone down the worst possible path that the hero could go down, you're really going to deal with all the influences and influencers of that character as being also in a probably a pretty bad place or have taken character arcs that are the audience finds distasteful. And I think George was dealing with a situation where he's like, well, everyone loves Yoda. I can't make Yoda look like, and he, they love him because they love how wise he is. Well, what if Yoda was wise because he'd failed so poorly in the prequels? That would be much more interesting, but we don't really see a, I mean, I do think we see Yoda that's kind of, I don't know. I don't. I never get the feeling that he's unwise. I get the feeling that he's like, oh, well, I was kind of manipulated and this and that and the other thing. Um, so I think that that's kind of a problem with the trilogy. And then finally, just what I've said already in this podcast, which is tonally, the movie for me is just really tonally wrong. It starts out as a twelve a movie for actually probably more like eight-year-olds, right? Like the whole Phantom Menace is a movie for eight-year-olds. And then it, we shift into a movie for 12-year-olds because that love story is really a 12-year-old love story. And then we all of a sudden fast forward into a movie for really young adults at this point, like far beyond 12. Like you probably need to be 18 because there's going to be a burning body <laughs> with no limbs at the end of this thing. And that's just weird tonally to say like, hey, all you kids, you should come watch this thing. And then by the end of it, it's like Shakespearean tragedy, awful things happening, you know. Any other thoughts about the prequel trilogy before we close this out? It it should be made clear for all the bad mouthing I do, I own these movies. And I I feel like I need to own these movies. <laughs> like Right, right. You know, they're a part of being a Star Wars fan. So It's true. It's true. I I do badmouth them, but they're still Star Wars and I love Star Wars. Yeah, that's true. Um yeah, I have problems with how they're executed, but man, I'm really glad they exist. Yeah. Yeah, and, I, and I, like I said in the beginning, I'm not sure that they need to exist, but <laughs> I like the fact that they do. You know, I get to watch more Star Wars stuff. That is it for today's podcast. Now it's time for you to share your thoughts on today's topic. Write us an email at hi at reclamationsociety.org or head over to one of our social media accounts and get in touch with us there. Links are in the show notes. If you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe. And if you have an extra minute, write us a review or share this episode with one of your geek friends. All right, fellow geeks. As always, question everything in your favorite stories and always seek the truth. We'll catch you on the next podcast.